2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we talk about all the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week are two excellent co-hosts, uh, Alex Zibart and Ann
2: Stickney. And here's where I ask Alex how he is. I'm doing pretty good this week. How are you doing, Rossi? uh physically not great how about mentally emo, spiritually is is your is your essence okay is it in balance
0: like my, my chakras are not aligned properly now. Uh, uh sorry to hear that let's talk about you What what's so great how you doing what's going on
2: uh i'm yeah i have just playing a lot of heroes of the storm again because i mean honestly what am i doing in a while WoW at this point uh wow. doing a lot of preparation for blizzcon already uh blizzcon is so ridiculous i feel like i've Already been prepping for BlizzCon for an entire year. We haven't even in, been in business for a year yet, but honestly. Um yeah. Uh Blizz, that's always BlizzCon though. It it's a very busy time for us.
0: Yeah, it's it's the big event and everything. And this year we've got a lot of possible hopes pinned to it.
2: Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's it's our first it's our first BlizzCon as Blizzard Watch. So I mean we have to we have to do it well. Yeah, and we sweet. want to do it well, so
0: you no, know, I'm sure you guys will. I won't be there, of course, because I never get to go.
2: I mean, the people at home are just as important to us as the people that are on the ground. There's there's <laughs> so much for everybody to do, honestly. Uh, the people who are physically there couldn't do it without the people who aren't physically there. So uh, it's and a I'll huge tell you,
0: we, we feel just as important and part of the thing when you guys are all talking about all the demos and stuff you get to play. Sure. like... <laughs> Yeah, that's great, guys. But
2: think about all of the things that you do for us at home, as far as screenshots and and writing things up and relaying information. Yeah,
0: I know. The day of the day BlizzCon happens, none of us get to do anything else. Like I tell my wife, I'm going to be in my office. You won't see me.
2: Yeah, forget forget I exist.
0: All right, since we've now covered you know why I'll be sad around BlizzCon, uh, Anne, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I kind of know what you're doing. We talked about it in the pre-show, but...
1: I can fly now on Dranor. I got the achievement. I'm cool. glad you
2: specified, because boy, was I confused.
1: Um, No, not like literally fly. That would be kind of weird. And I believe I can fly. Physically impossible. I believe... No, wait, we can't do that. <laughs> we just copied right? <laughs> Copyright. Bad. I didn't sing more than a half a second of it. Thankfully, to everybody listening to this show, because that's the last thing you want to hear. No, I, I got Draenor Pathfinder, so I, I finally learned how, how to... How long did that take you? Um, once I actually sat down to do it, not long. It's just I had to wait for the the quest thing to kind of rotate through. And I probably could have bought the quest items from the dude outside my garrison. There were some people that pointed that part out, but... I didn't really want to invest that much into it. I wasn't really that you know, invested in getting it. It was just, hey, you know, before the expansion's done, I should do this thing. So um, mostly it was spurred because I figured out what to do with all of that gold I had piled up. Um, You know what you do when you have all that gold piled up? You go to the auction house and you buy Marks of the Burning Legion and you max out Every reputation you have on Draenor. <laughs> oh, see, I
2: did that <laughs> that's what you do. by and large without trying. Like, I I got my first medallion in Tanan, uh, and I was like, I don't need this. And I turned around and sold it for more gold. I think the first yeah. one I sold, I got like twenty five thousand gold. Offers.
1: Yeah. See, I'm like, the lazy this... one that's kind of like letting you profit off of that.
0: Do those medallions work for the saber stalkers?
1: Yeah. Yes. They work for everyone.
0: The saber stalkers are where I'm like really in the hole, and it's really not something I'm enjoying doing. I don't know why. Matt, somebody's trying to steal a car outside. Yeah, of- I oh. was
2: going to introduce our fourth <laughs> guest this week. See, I was Probably. in the
0: middle of muting my microphone and closing the window. <laughs> <laughs> so, what well, You guys decided to pull attention to the thing I was attempting to cover up. Good job, guys. This is why we're not in a heist movie. <laughs> All right, yeah, this, you know
1: it's pretty noisy.
0: <laughs> what's really weird is what I've been doing in WoW is playing low-level characters. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I guess because I missed the low-level part of the leveling stream. My wife and I weren't rolled humans. Uh, I am playing a human.
1: Oh, wow. Right. I,
0: I haven't played a human since, like, ever. My wife rolled a priest. I ended up on a warrior because, you know, what was else was going to happen? And I have the craziest eye-beard combination. I, you couldn't do this back in, when I first rolled a human. I look like a crazed, demented like prospector going completely. Otherwise, I look like myself. Oh, cool. And, <laughs> okay. And we're wandering around. We just got done doing like we're halfway through uh, Redridge. Ridge. Okay. We're doing the John J. Keishin quests. Yeah. And John J. keishin has got himself ridiculously powerful sephorium explosives. Yes, he does. He turns an orc town, an orc camp, into a crater. Yep. With two sephorium charges. Oh, well, was like you know I used to carry sephorium charges around. They didn't do this back then
2: they opened boxes
0: (laughs) yeah you could open a padlock with them now they apparently take out an entire orc town so yeah that was that's i've actually been enjoying it it's funny i we've been doing it with no heirlooms i honestly really between the leveling stream and this uh i am totally at this point against heirlooms i straight up hate them
2: I mean, I, I understand the role they serve. Um, not everybody wants to go through that process so many times. It's it's nice having the option. Like, uh, I just kind of want to get to max level as fast as possible. I'll throw in my heirlooms. And the, the next thing time is, I go, eh, I want to slow it down a little. I won't wear heirlooms.
0: I feel like the heirlooms, that's not my problem with them at all. The level thing has nothing to do with it. What I don't like about heirlooms is quite simple. Once you have them, gear is just something you vendor.
2: Gear, oh, yeah. And I mean, that's that's why on the leveling stream I've been going out of my way to transmog. Yeah, to, to give some value to these items i mean we're even uh we're not using heirlooms in the leveling stream but still i think the level, the item squish still played a role in you go many many levels before you see something that's genuinely better than what you're wearing
0: i'm only seeing like uh, the problem we really have is that once we get into wrath content though because yes. bc to wrath is where the squish really gets noticeable yeah because stuff is not upgrading like what was it Liz said? Something about, like, 20 eye-level difference between the bracers she had and the bracers she just got? Yeah. And the new ones were, like, one inch better?
2: Yeah. yeah um, I'm, I'm even running into situations about Warlock where uh, some of the Wrath items are straight-up worse than Burning Crusade items. Or it's something like, okay, this Wrath item will give me two what more kind of crit. Scary, huh? Yeah, it'll give me, like, two more crit at the expense of one point of intellect. Like, that that's the level of difference in this gear.
1: But the eye level difference is huge, which is weird. Yeah,
2: Yeah,
0: because they kept the old eye levels, but then they just squished everything down. So it's like like I'm using a weapon from the end of... Yeah, I'm using a Black Temple weapon, and it's like stuff that's dropping isn't even like... It's like, yeah, I won't be getting an upgrade to this anytime soon. There's no way it's going to be this weapon forever.
1: Honestly, that's kind of how it worked when I went like... Back in Burning Crusade to Wrath because yeah, I had I had like Black Temple weapons and I didn't get upgrades to those weapons until I had leveled all of the way and we were in Naxxramas.
0: See, I, I actually had found upgrades when I was tanking before that, but the the thing is, is that that's still in Naxxramas. I don't think I'm going to be seeing upgrades till way past cr- Cataclysm. Really? Some Wrath, some Wrath gear will take you straight into Cataclysm. Like, way past Cataclysm, even into, like, you know, Mists with the Squish. It's really, it's noticeable to me that nothing is getting any better.
2: Yeah, uh, Mists, at the beginning of this expansion, I was taking, a, I think it was my Death Knight. I was like, okay, well, now I need to get this Death Knight to 100, because it's my inscription character. And I ended up not doing it, because, uh, honestly, I'm not doing Miss Pandaria again that soon after we finished it. But I was like, okay, I'm in, like wrath gear still somehow this character like i don't know how that happened there's some wrath gear and some cataclysm gear like but i'm going to miss in pandaria so these first items they get are going to be super amazing upgrade and they weren't (laughs) it was just the same junk and it felt really bizarre
0: yeah yeah the item swish has had weird side effects like that but all right um we usually do this podcast the same way every time so we will do it that way this time and talk about some top stories. First top story we've already kind of talked about a little bit, but we should mention that BlizzCon is in a month. Yeah. Oh one one month to I
2: thought. Yeah, sooner BlizzCon. than I thought. Yeah. I got, I've
1: got, now I've suddenly have a lot of prep work to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now
1: I've, I've <laughs> ruined Nobody their day. it that well, way. <laughs> here,
2: okay, hear the tone of your voice. Something that I hear a lot um, when I talk about working at BlizzCon, um, uh, particularly it came up in, in – when somebody asked if um, it doesn't matter, point is a lot of people have this perception that us going to BlizzCon is like a vacation for us. Oh
1: God, no! <laughs> it
2: is the hardest few days of the year for us.
1: No, I mean you if are, somebody, no, <laughs> there's, it's not
2: relaxing. <laughs> Before, uh, before we got Blizzard Watch started and the old place was going down, like one of my thoughts was, at least I don't have to work BlizzCon this year.
0: <laughs> 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 but I
2: do. <laughs> it is not a vacation. It is the hardest time of the year. So I just want to get that out of the way. Like, If we are grumpy around that time or worn down, that is 100% work for us. It is a lot of running around. And- Another way to think of
0: it is quite simple. Think of it as any other convention that people go to for work. When you go to a convention, let's say it's let's say it's a plumbing supply corporation and convention, and you run a plumbing supplies corporation, you're not going there to party. You're going there for all the plumbing supplies stuff. We BlizzCon is that for us because that's what we talk about all the time.
2: I mean, it, and, asking
1: in the chat channel, meeting with all your devoted fans isn't fun. No, that part's fun. It, it don't is Don't get me wrong. Totally fun. It's just that on top of all of that, we also have everything else that we do. So <laughs> by the I mean, end of, kind of- by the end of the convention, it, I usually take Sunday off and do nothing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, recover. we, we kind of we go from being uh, kind of not particularly social people who work in an office and write and keep our head down and do our thing. And then suddenly for three days straight, we're on our feet running from point A to point B to point C from about 8 a.m. until 10 p.m for three days straight and by the end of it we're like wow what just happened yep it's a non-stop thing i mean it is i will say it is fun in that it's a thrill and we get to meet people we typically don't get to but come sunday night we're like oh my god what just happened
0: (laughs) well in addition to giving these two the you know terrors and sweats uh i should also mention that you know um, this, the holiday, what was it? It's a Hall's Eve? Is that what it's called? It Hallows, Hallows End. Hallows End. Hallows End, thank you. Hallows End is, is happening. It should be live by now, right? Or is that in a couple of days? Uh... Hallows
1: End is... I don't remember when it is exactly. Does it start? It should start soon. I'm
2: in game for the streaming portion of this, so... Check the calendar! Brewfest ends tomorrow. Uh, uh, Hallows End doesn't start until the 18th.
0: Okay, well, It's this month. And you know it, it is the holiday. It's Dark, actually
2: one of the Dark Moon Fairs on right now.
1: I'm bad because of... I've like totally missed out on Brewfest everything.
2: Whoops! I did enough yeah. to get the Brewfest dress on my leveling stream. I character. wanted the pet,
1: and, and I don't even think I can manage that now. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I saw. I wasn't really paying attention to it because it's these holidays, same old, same old, you know. But then I saw they did add new pets, but I only saw halfway through the festival, and I was like. At this point, I don't feel like grinding those out.
1: And we're talking <laughs> over Rossi. I'm sorry, Rossi. I'm sorry, Rossi. <laughs> it's okay.
0: I, I don't do it for pets. I'm meant nothing to me. How uh, is How is End, however, I I usually go for every year because the hat, the hat is cool. I the
2: love the hat. yeah, the the helm from the horseman. Yeah, the,
0: the plate helm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's actually it's funny because I got that on my Torin the first year it was out, and for a long time that was that was the only picture of me. On the, the old site, was my Torin wearing that hat? Because when it was originally put into the game on a Torin, it was huge. Yeah, it didn't. It wasn't head sized. It took up the entirety of the Torin torso. Yeah, I remember
2: it was, that.
0: So I wandered around with that hat on for a very long time, <laughs> well past the point where it was useful because they didn't have Transmog back then. But I wore that hat because it was gigantic. <laughs> I really, I remember the day they shrank it back down to normal size. I was so sad. It's like
2: I, I have distinct memories of the first year of this of Hell's End when um I would run that boss all day and all night for all of my guildies that wanted the yeah. pet.
0: Everybody and, would swap in all their alts.
2: Yeah. And Everyone. nobody would ever get it. So it's like, okay, same time tomorrow. We're gonna be here for another eight hours swapping alts and doing this boss. Yeah. In a I, way I miss that. I do miss it in a way, because there's this very uh it was, it was very social. Of, it was. It was social. There was a lot of camaraderie involved, cooperation.
0: People would volunteer to get on characters to 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 summon it again, even though they wanted the thing on their main.
2: Yeah, and then uh, I, fact... I say this. I say this in hindsight. At the time, I was like, "Oh my god, I wish this thing was just dropped for these people so I can stop doing this." But now I'm like, oh, I kind of miss things, times like that.
0: Yeah, there is something like kind of sad about the fact that now it's just you run run and done the one time. Yeah. Yeah. It would be that... nice if you
1: could I had run like and, a... you know, Yeah, I had a group of, like, four friends, and we would sit there to get the Headless Horseman's mount, and I think uh, two of them had the full run of alts, like, they had every max level alt they possibly could, and then I had, like, four alts, so we just sit there and systematically swap out alts to run it over and over and over and over again, yeah. Mm-hmm. i never got the mount. i'm so excited this year though because i got the mount last year so i don't have to do the headless horseman this year if i don't want to
2: <laughs> i think ultimately what happened for me is when these bosses became once a day mm-hmm. you realize there's not necessarily a whole lot to these holidays no running that boss over and over is what kind of made it an event yeah and yeah when that's gone it's like okay well there's like two daily quests and that's it. I mean, there's nothing they else in the holiday.
0: They, they made Hollow's End at least more interesting story-wise. Yeah. When they brought in the Worgen and switched to, like, the giant Wicker Man outside Stormwind. Mm-hmm. But I miss I miss when it was, like, centered around Taran Mill and South Shore. And you would do, like, the smoke, oh, the stink bombs.
1: Yeah, yeah, you had to put the stink bombs down. And then the other yeah. side had to put the stink bombs out. And it was like,
2: then, yeah. Like, see, I didn't like that. Because I, I don't liked think the, the Alliance prank. did anything. The Horde did the bombing. The Alliance did the Windexing. No,
1: you're right about that. the Alliance did the Windexing, but the Alliance also murdered any Horde that came within a 20-foot radius. Why
2: can't (laughs) I throw the stink bombs?
0: Plus, there was the thing the Alliance would do, because the Horde technically could do it, but it was much too far away. Uh, The Horde could go to Stormwind if they wanted to, but for the Alliance, going up to, to... Lordaeron and getting the ashes out of the Wicker Man was a deal. Like, it yeah. was a big deal. Whereas for the Horde, it was like nothing. They didn't really do it.
1: You just go to Blackrock and then yeah. swing on around down.
0: But for the Alliance, it was a pretty big deal. I, I, there's just a lot of stuff that just doesn't work anymore in the modern game that, that was like part of that. Like, for instance, for back then, you kind of had to get up to, to you know, Scarlet Monastery. You couldn't just queue for yeah. it. So you originally had to bring all your friends up to Scarlet Monastery. I and, of course, it would, running... it would turn into a murder party outside, like, you know, killing all the Scarlet people on your way in.
1: Yeah. I remember that. You had to, like, make the trek up there. Especially when it was, like, before they even had, like, the summoning stones outside the dungeons. Yeah. You had to, like, <laughs> you had to hike. You just had to hike. Or when you had to go to um Shadowfang Keep, you had to hike. Yeah, I remember, I remember,
0: especially especially for uh, the Scarlet monastery thing for the, for uh, for Hollow's End, is we'd always go up to that same point, uh, the would you, near Anderhall that flight point near Anderhall for the Alliance.
1: Chilling camp, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Chilwin camp. You'd yep. always go up there, and then you'd ride up through uh, past Anderhall, and there's that you know there's that Forsaken guard and that the place the right next to, it. and you'd ride right through there, and of course the guards would all freak out and chase you, and it would be like you know under attack. And sometimes the Horde would come out and it would, you know, turn into a Fracas. But sometimes the Horde would just kind of like wave you through. And then you'd all head up to the Scotland Monastery and start messing with each yeah. other up there. I mean, it's, as, just, it's, it's just it's one of those things that, you know, queuing has taken out of the game. For better information.
2: As, as, as still as I find some of these holidays now, I know that when they were first, when they were new, I really enjoyed them. Like, they were a really good time. And I'm still a proponent of holidays and these short events as a way of Keeping something happening in the game in between content patches.
0: Yeah, if if anything, we should just have more of
2: them. More or of have them, more yeah. Stuff to or them. like
1: being maybe revamped every couple of years or so yeah, like surely, regularly.
2: Surely Azeroth has holidays that don't line up with Earth holidays. I mean, they can, in, was they can invent really hoping,
1: holidays. I was really hoping in Pandaria that we'd get some Pandaren holidays because I figured if anybody knows how to party, they probably do. Them and the dwarves, you know, they seem to be along the same lines as far as parking yeah. up and everything, and we never got anything, and I was kind of sad about that. Yeah, they kind of updated Brewfest to include Pandarin in it. Yeah, but other than that, there was nothing, and I wanted to see some sort of Pandarin something. The, the closest thing we got was the Wandering Festival that you could go visit yep. to get the mm-hmm. stuff, but like that was it, really.
0: Alright, I guess at this point we should move on to emails because we've already killed 20 minutes of show. Whoops! Sure. I haven't even touched them yet. Uh, as always, if you have an email you'd like to send to the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. We're happy to look at emails about any old subject as long as it involves a Blizzard game. And, you know, that's the drill. We'd love to get your emails. we love to talk about your emails. First one is from, I'm going to say, Valebrand because he he provided a pronunciation, or she did, I can't tell gender by this. Uh, hello, watchers. My name is Veilbrand, vale and I have a question about age, specifically dwarves and elves. At what age would they be teenagers? What do they look like when they are 15 years old? Are they still children, or do high elves and dwarves look like normal teens around that age? In the RPG, it says that they reach adulthood at 40 dwarf and 110 high elf, so does that mean that they age slowly? Also, are night elf children extremely rare? I've never heard of uh, of one in lore and only seen one, a baby in a crib in Moonglade, in-game. Do night elves just not have them, as their lives are so long? Thanks, I love listening to your podcast. Well, we can answer the second part real easy. Yeah, they have them. Uh, in fact, the Horde killed a bunch by firebombing uh, Estranar. True. Including um, the the granddaughter of Frandal of Staghelm. flat-out killed her. So, yeah, night elves do have babies.
2: They have babies. Uh, A standby staghelm was was justified in his rage.
1: Yeah, he was. His
2: family was murdered. He totally
1: was. Um, Night elves, from what I've heard, it's not terribly common, or it wasn't terribly common for them to have children, just because, because. Why bother? Well, they were immortal. You know, it was one of those children were kind of a few and far between thing, but um, it wasn't unheard of. Yeah, Yeah. it wasn't unheard of or anything. It was just it wasn't like a frequent thing. There was no need to bring up the population or anything like that. I don't know. Using
0: Frandrell again as an example, he himself had a son at a point much later than the Sundering, and that son was alive and an adult around the time of the, the AQ war. In fact, first that's
1: of the shifting sands. Yeah.
0: Which was a thousand years ago. Yeah. And in fact, the, the night elf child I just told you about was in fact about a thousand years old. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> she, she was, a, I'll, I'll give you calling her a child at this point is kind of pushing it because she was a thousand years old because she was born at, around that time for to, to Leara, who was a Valston. Was it Veilston? Was that his name? Valston Sackham?
2: I don't remember. Valston. I think it's Valstan.
0: Valstan. And so basically, yeah, uh, they do have them. They don't have them very often. It, it's, they may start having more now because, you know, now they're not immortal. Although I don't know how long they live. They are they weren't immortal before the tree, and they still seem to live a very long time. So it's not. It's very possible they will have extremely long lifespans. I mean, High elves have long lifespans, and they're
1: not immortal either. No. And... Yeah, and, so. I mean, if you look at the RPG guides, you can't really look at the RPG guides because those have been stricken from the record. They're no longer canon. They're
2: entirely non-canon.
1: They're, they're But at the same time, that's the only frame of reference we've got. So when I discuss it, when I'm talking about roleplay and stuff like that, I generally look to them as a rule of thumb just because we don't have any other frame of reference out there. Blizzard has never officially released any kind of frame of reference like that. I wish they would. But they haven't. Um, if you look at the RPG guide, so I want to say night elves, it's like they reach adulthood at about 110 to 300 somewhere in there. And if I remember right, high elves, blood elves, it was like between 60 and 110. That's when they become an adult. But it's not. I mean, I mean there's no way to really hammer down the numbers. Yeah, there's
2: uh, no... when you're when you're dealing with fantasy races, um, there's there's some things you have to consider is it biological is it cultural is it societal yeah i mean adulthood at 110 what does that mean does that mean physical biological adulthood does that mean that's when their society accepts them as an adult Uh, for
0: that matter i mean using humans as an example for a second some humans are physically fully mature by 15 like straight up you're not those people are not going to get much bigger they're just going to age. They're not yeah, going to get and, but, any more adult physically.
2: And as a society, we just say they are not mentally.
1: You're an adult prepared. when you're 21 and you can drink legally or whatever. Yeah,
2: they're not. They're not mentally uh, capable enough to handle adult decisions.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean it's. It comes down to like no society judges purely based on physical. It, it's got, they've all got their own rules and so forth.
2: And dwarves. If this high elf is 110 years old, uh, they they are probably, in human terms, they're probably perfectly capable of making adult decisions, I would assume. It's just that compared to the person who is 800 years old, they're probably going, eh, you've got a little while to go yet.
1: You're kind of yeah. a kid still, you know. But, I mean, even with humans in World of Warcraft, humans reach maturity. Like, they're considered adults at 15, 16. Um, Varian, Varian was taking the throne when he was, what, 17, 18? I think. Yeah. And that's he, when he, he was, was crowned king.
0: He was taking the throne after being the de facto king since yeah. he was like ten.
1: Yeah. So I mean
2: And the way I've personally um treated in my writing how I've treated long lived races and things like childhood and physical maturity is if you look at things that are alive in general. It's not particularly good for you to take a really long time to reach physical capability. No, nope. uh, humans actually take long—I think longer than almost everything else on the planet—to become uh, coordinated as a moving object. Uh, yeah, and, and we do. So... We have
0: special reasons for that in terms of like the way we're set up biologically. Um, we have to be born extremely immature compared to other species because we have such large
2: heads. So if yeah. humans were born,
0: if humans actually matured as much in, in utero as other animals did, we wouldn't be able to be born.
2: Right. And so when you're talking about elves who live a thousand years, I don't think that scales on the same scale, you're not going to be like, okay, they have to be 10 years old and now they can be called a toddler. Like, I don't think it war- I I wouldn't believe it would work that way because that's a really good way for your species to not live. Yeah. Uh, uh, the way I view it is they would reach, you know, physical maturity at roughly the same rate as humans if humans are our baseline of you know, physical growth roughly the same rate as humans until they hit some version of adulthood and they kind of go into a stasis or a much slower growth in aging from that point. That's yeah. how I always view it. Because otherwise <laughs> if you're going to be a toddler for 10 years, your species is dead. You're just dead. That's not gonna <laughs> it's not going to work at all.
1: But yeah, the, the... I mean if you want to look at it if you want to use the RPG source guides as like a frame of reference they say adulthood is anywhere from 110 to 300 and that's still a giant gap of time I mean you're looking at that's like almost 200 years in between so where does it fall yeah. no no what make an educated this, guess yeah.
0: What makes this night elf an adult at 111, and this night elf is an adult at 300? I' uh, gonna have to talk to else. Right
1: of that. passage? I don't know. Be creative. But,
2: <laughs> next, and, and kind of. And, I just wanted to mention this before we move on. Um, uh, there a lot of people when elves come up in like the queue and stuff. It's like uh, I can't imagine, you know, it's, it's a creature that is 500 years old putting up the conversation with something that's you know 25 years old. Um, uh, think about the people you know in your life. Find the men and women who are forty and fifty years old in your life and still act like total dinguses, and imagine hey, that. Hi, if, hi uh, imagine <laughs> if if they haven't changed at all in all the time you've known them, and all the time they've been alive. Five hundred years from now, if they were still alive, they'd still probably be a dingus. Yeah, being a dingus is ageless.
1: It transcends time itself.
0: Next email is from uh, a Night Elf Rogue, Duraton US. Uh, Greetings, watchers, long-time listener, and I'm really enjoying the new lore podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, Anne, you should say thank you as well.
1: Thank you. (laughs) That wasn't prompted at all. No, really, I do appreciate it. (laughs) Honestly, the
0: podcast is mostly Anne's doing, Anne and and Joe. Uh, My question is about Night Elf lore. It seems like Night Elves are in a strange place right now in the story. Now, Furin and Taronda are very confusing to me as class leaders, I assume means race leaders, but because they don't provide a lot of direction to the story of the Night Elves. Even though Malfurion is one of my favorite characters, making him a a neutral leader makes it hard for his story as a leader for his people. Uh, Taranda has done almost nothing since Vanilla. She was a boss in the Caverns of Time and Cataclysm, and had a small cameo in a scenario, which really confused me because Blizzard made her look look ineffectual compared to Varian. Uh What would you like to see happen with the Night Elves? What about their leadership? If Malfurion and Toronto were ever to step down, who could take their place? Thanks for the great content every week, uh, Valinor, Night Elf, Rogue, Dirtanious. Say it, before Rossi,
1: because get- I know you want to say it. Well, yes, obviously
0: Shandris could take over. There you go. But Before we even get rolling on this, I'm going to say this. If you want to see an interesting take on Tyrande, go read War Crimes. Yeah. Um, because Tyrande, Tyrande comes off really different and interesting there and kind of goes back to her Warcraft Three roots a little bit. Where A, she doesn't really ask, there's, there's no discussion with anybody. She doesn't, like, you know, clear it with anyone. Like, no no guys with, like, chicken feet and, like, moose beards. She just kind of goes and does it and, yep. it. and it's really, you have to go see it. I don't want to, like, spoil too much. But I'm going to let Ian start talking and then I'll probably come in after and I'm Alex might have some opinions or he might not. I don't know. I, do. I know he doesn't like Malfurion very much. Correct. So, go ahead, Ian.
1: You want me to start talk Let's let Alex talk first. Come on. Okay.
2: Okay.
1: He Uh, has uh, opinions. Let him state them. This doesn't uh, happen often with lore questions. Go ahead.
2: (laughs) Ultimately, to me, it feels like Malfurion, uh, as a neutral leader, they're they're trying to do too many things with him. They want him to be a leader of the Night Elves. They want him to be uh, a neutral faction leader. They want him to kind of bridge this gap. But at the same time, they have Tyrande, who is trying to lead the Night Elves. And clearly, the Night Elves have been very much in direct opposition with these people who have uh, kind of moved into their territory and taken over. And this is a situation you can't easily rectify. When you have these two characters who you want in a relationship and you want them in the story together, but they have completely different goals, if they're always standing at each other's side, both of them become terrible characters. You have to separate them a little bit. And I don't mean break them up or divorce them or kill one off. Like, just... They can't always be together. Have Tyrande doing her thing. Have Malfurion doing his thing. Uh, they do always do what seem... you're good at. Right. They always seem to... Since bringing back Malfurion, they always try to present them in-game as a pair. It doesn't work that way. They are completely different leaders leading completely different groups of people. Tyrande is Darnassus. Malfurion is Moonglade. Let them do their respective things... And when it's time for the hem- them to have relationship time, do it away from the conflicts in these stories. These are people who are representing very different groups in war and, and tragedy. And when they're together, it's them together in a quiet place. I think it's the way to handle it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I um, actually, you know, when you're talking about how do you think it should be handled or, you know, what would you like to see happen with the night elves? That's part of what I'd like to see is some kind of division between the two of them. Not, you know, Oh, I hate you or whatever, because obviously, you know, they're a couple, they like each other, they get along really well. But the thing is part of what brought them together and part of what makes them a good couple is the fact that they have strengths that complement each other. And right now, it, they're being presented as, oh, they have the same strengths. They're going to lead the night elves together or whatever. That that doesn't work. Malfurion's got his strengths. He's working with the Druids. He's working with the Cenarian Circle. Does he have a degree of neutrality? Yeah, he does. And that might not necessarily work for the night elves as a whole. And then you've got Taranda who's working primarily with Darnassus and Elune and the priestesses of Elune and everything. And like the politics side of things that are very night elf centric and not so neutral and are they gonna butt heads over that stuff yeah they probably should but have we seen it no and i kind of want to see it i kind of want to see that happen i I also want to see that dynamic where you know one of them tells the other okay this is your area of expertise you go take care of that i'm gonna go take care of this other thing and we'll get back together and we'll talk it over later you know that kind of thing. their
2: disagreements were very much a part of warcraft 3
1: yeah. Oh yeah. They Absolutely. Were, they were, was not happy about that whole Illidan yeah. thing.
2: <laughs> I mean, it was well established. Warcraft three, like they were a loving couple with a lot of history, and they still didn't see eye to eye on everything. Two violent ends sometimes, not between each other, but you know, Toronto well, well, did her thing, and there was
1: violence. The part.
0: Yeah, she, she Toronto wreaked violence against people. Yeah, the, part that
1: kind of, the part that kind of um, frustrates me, and I wish we'd see more about this particular dynamic, is where the Night Elves sit in the alliance itself. Because right now, it seems almost like they're taking like a secondary position where they're not that, you know, y- you mentioned in your email where, you know, Toronto looked kind of ineffective compared to Varian. And that's that's what I have a problem with, is the fact that this race, this particular race in the Alliance, is one of the oldest. It is the oldest native Azeroth race in the Alliance. They know their stuff because they've lived through it. And yet you don't see Varian going to them asking for advice or input or guidance or anything else. He basically asks them to follow along with whatever he wants to do. And I mean, we want to talk about age discrepancy and differences and things like that. If Taranda's looking at Varian, Taranda's 10,000 years old. Varian's yeah. like a sneeze to her. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I, I feel like this
2: is a product of, uh, for a, a few expansions there, Blizzard, for God, it isn't orcs versus humans anymore. Yeah. And I play human. I like Warcraft humans. Like, I really dig them. I think they're really cool. But I still want these other races. Like, the Alliance is cool because there's so many cool people in there. They're, you know, the humans, and uh, I don't like gnomes or dwarves. So it's pretty much just humans and draenei and night elves. I want stuff with them, and it always seemed to come back to humans, humans, I wanna see, humans.
1: I just I want to see that dynamic between Tyrande, Malfurion, and Varian, where Varian's either A, asking them for their input, which we might actually see in Legion, because, you know, yeah, that's there's my a lot of Night Elf stuff yeah, yeah. in Legion. I'm going to just, I'm going to flat out say this. Wait, you shouldn't be I asking finished. Tyrande anything. I want to okay. finish what I'm saying. You guys saying. haven't let me talk yet. Okay, let me finish what I'm saying here. I want to see either Varian come to them and ask for some kind of advice, or something where there's some kind of conflict and Varian tries to intercede or do his whole, ooh, I'm the leader of alliance intervention thing, like he did with the dwarves, which I never understood why that worked. But if he ever tried to pull that with the night elves, where he says, oh, I'm going to appoint you guys a leader... I don't think that'd go over very well. And I want to see that happen. <laughs> I, just, see, I, I want to see them clash a little bit. I, I think that'd be fun.
0: I first off want the night elves to remember they have other people besides Tyrande and Melfurion. Yeah. And that's a real problem for me in that the night elves don't seem to remember that they do have other people. Uh, one of the things that has always bugged me is that we have had Chandris Feathermoon sitting at Feathermoon Stronghold for 11 years. This is the possibly most experienced warrior on the planet at this point. She's the best marksman ever. Like, Tyrande, I can see not—I Tyrande not actually knowing all that much about leading a military force because she has not been doing it for 10,000 years. For 10,000 years, she's been a politician. She led, she led forces during the War of the Ancients, but even then she wasn't a frontline leader. She was a inspirational leader. So I'm okay with Varian being better at military tactics than Tyrande. Because Tyrande can turn around and say, uh, Chandris, what do we do here? And Chandris will be like, This is what we do here. And if Chandris has a problem, she could go to Jared's Shadow Song, the guy that fought Archimond <laughs> and lived. You know what I'm saying? This like the idea that the Night Elves need anyone to tell them what to do in the case of a demonic invasion, it's like, no. We 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 do in fact have some experience in the. I mean, granted, our our go to solution is blow up the planet, so you might not want to actually go that far. But I just I don't like the idea that it's constantly just Tronda Malfurian. I want to see Maya come back and have a role in her society. Ugh. And frankly,
1: I I have
2: so I many want, things
1: I want to see Maya do. <laughs> I,
2: I want the only the only thing I I don't want is. Richard Knack's representation of Chandra's. I thought it was one of the worst characters he's ever written. Yeah, but I,
0: I understand. The, the thing is, is that Richard Knack's version of Chandra's is literally like a, is an adult child.
1: Very young. Very, yeah. very young.
0: That is a child. That's 10,000 years
2: ago. She he, should have grown up over 10,000 right. years. He, but he wrote the same person in Stormrage. Yeah, she was still a child, like getting lullabies or whatever from Taronda. It's ridiculous. She's a general of the Sentinel. Wasn't She's that the short total... story
1: and not Stormrage?
2: It was in Stormrage. 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 When when Tronda like first sets out to like find Melphirin or whatever, it has been a long time since I read this book. I didn't particularly enjoy it, but and Shandris is like Tronda, don't do whatever. I don't remember. And then they have like a cuddle moment. It was very <laughs> weird and very awkward, and I thought like.
0: That's not how you uh, you act with your your ten it thousand was, years. It, it,
1: that's know. why like, I, had I a genuinely with, like the short story that came out too, because there was that the dynamic scene, where it was like Chandris was a child. Right. Reading that like, scene, I genuinely
2: expected like Tronda to start nursing Chandris or something. It uh, was really creepy. Uh,
0: but that's like I, that's one of the reasons why I'm talking when I'm when I'm talking about Chandris. I'm talking about the Chandris you get to see a little bit in Tides of war, the one who is the the night elf war leader. Yeah. When the night the night elves go to war, there who she's who they put in charge. She is their high general. She is you know not to be trifled with. The sentinels are hers, and that's one of the things that's always bothered me. Is quite frankly, night elves are a matriarchy. They're a matriarchal culture because for 10,000 years, the men had to go go to sleep from time to time. They were druid. And couldn't be around. Yeah. I understand that for game purposes, you know, we've allowed, you know, if you can play a female druid, you can play a male warrior. Their society is equalizing. And that's, yeah, that's their society is equalizing. And that's cool. But that's also a place for story. You know what I mean? And you could have little story bits of, like, there's this old night elf priest who just can't (laughs) accept males in the priesthood. You could do things with it. I'd love to see something done with it. I don't think we ever will get any, to see anything done with it. But the fact that Jared Shadowsong led their people should be a big deal. Like That's the rough equivalent of if suddenly Stormwind had a queen who was ruling instead of Varian. There's stuff to do with it. It's it one of the things that's always bugged me about Night Elves and WoW I'm is just, that there's no acknowledgement of that.
1: I'm just hoping that we'll see, like I said, in Legion, we'll see some of this some more
0: Night yeah. Elf stuff. I definitely yeah.
1: agree that I'd love to see Taronda
0: just lead her people and not have Malfurion come in every five minutes, but I'm hopeful that we won't have Malfurion doing that because he'll be busy.
2: Yeah, uh, Warcraft 3 really endeared me to the Night Elves and Warcraft's take on Elves. And then World of Warcraft came around and they they just ignored it. They just kind of dumped it. They went back to Orcs as Humans and that really, this really awesome look at these other races in Warcraft 3 fell by the wayside.
0: Alrighty, Uh, next email is from Atlasar and Ducat, for now, at least, HellfireEU. Hey, Blizzard Watch crew. Uh, Love the new podcast. Was just listening to your recent discussion of the pros and cons of alts versus one main you do everything with, and I thought I'd throw in my two cents. I recently returned to WoW after a long absence and have been leveling up a bunch of different characters. One thing I've tried to do is focus on leveling in the areas that make sense for the individual character. This means I've only stayed within one expansion's levels for characters if it suits the lore background. For example, keeping a Blood Elf Mage leveling through BC up till around level 75 to see all of the raid content, or completing all the Pandarian zones with my Pandaren Monk. Since getting stuck into Warlords of Draenor, I've been playing two characters exclusively through the current content, my Draenei Paladin and Orc Hunter. Not only does this make the, the content feel more relevant, particularly zones like Frostfire Ridge and Talador, but it saves having to complete you know, content with multiple characters. Legion's boost plus hero character is going to make it really easy to bring another two of my alts on the, off the bench down the line. I'm thinking a night elf demon hunter and a torn druid will suit the zones and overall lore of the expansion pretty well. In terms of my current mains, my mind will be back in Draenor, uh, garrisoning it you know, up with the Legion comes calling. Cheers, uh, Altasar and Dukat. Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue with how you want to do it, uh, I have a real problem doing like here's an example. Of something I tried doing. I tried playing a Torin from like level one through twenty, and it gets hard to justify doing stuff on that Torin. Like I I can't take my Torin to Ashara and help the goblins do unspeakably horrible things to the Earth Mother, and it's not much more acceptable to go up over to you know Estranar and be like you know standing on the dead Night Elves on my druid do you know what i'm saying like my torn druids have yes. a hard time with this concept it's like oh hey look didn't when did she i think she came by moonglade one time how you how you oh you're dead and we're standing on you great well i'm gonna head south to stone talent oh we're blowing up a druid school are we well well then that's great so, i have trouble with this is what i'm saying like, like it's really hard for me to like and going to the eastern plagueland eastern kingdoms or eastern plaguelands going to the eastern kingdoms isn't much better because i mean what what's my option here
2: forsaken
0: we, yeah the forsaken on my druid is like really it's constantly i have trouble with this scenario no we're just going to keep going okay
2: yeah i i've formed a kind of separation in my mind of the character i'm playing versus the content i'm participating in like i've never done that thing where i'm like I, this expansion is Draenei stuff, so I'm going to roll a Draenei. It's like, okay, if I want to play a Draenei, I'll just do one, but I'm still going to do it on the characters I have. Like, I don't feel like I need to be playing the appropriate race to be invested. I'm not saying it's wrong to play that way, it's just I've never felt that compulsion.
1: I did with Warlords of Draenor. (laughs) I actually rolled a Draenei alt because I really wanted to play a Draenei through Warlords of Draenor, so I thought that would be fun.
0: Yeah, I I had a Draenei, so it wasn't like I had to do anything there. I just played it. I I haven't played an orc through the other side, though. All of of my
2: characters inevitably become humans, so it doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm playing the first human I've played in years right now, and the only reason it's fun to play is just because I get to play with my wife. And I get to see like the the. I'll give this playing a human through the Elwyn slash Westfall slash Redridge thing. It's really weird because you get to see how incredibly dysfunctional the Kingdom of Stormwind was around Cataclysm
1: time. Yeah, place is a mess. It is. It did not get any less messy once Anixia was taken care of. Unfortunately, it, it, she it, did her just, job and did it well.
2: <laughs> it really felt like uh, after the events of Wrath of the Lich King and the Cataclysm, the Horde kind of entered some sort of golden age of sorts, and the Alliance was left with ramshackle ruins. That was that was always the feeling I got. Like I know the Horde had problems with Garrosh and all the drama, but it, it, they came out a superpower, and the Alliance uh, to maintain power. Everything around them turned to ruins.
0: I definitely. I mean, I don't know about like. I wouldn't say that was the case for the dwarves and the night elf stuff doesn't play that way because I, I did play a night elf up to level twenty recently. She's twenty four now, actually. It's funny for the night elves; it feel you feel like under siege because I have a night elf right now who's. I guess 24.
2: more more specifically, talking orcs versus humans. There's like an orc golden age, and the humans to yeah. hold on to any power had to let everything else go to waste. Yeah, yeah.
0: the human stuff is really dark, like. Um, there's just the there's there's some lines. The John Keishan stuff is like, it's basically Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's Rambo. It's it's the first blood movies. But it, there's some dialogue in there like the orcs. I'm just gonna say it. I don't think this is actually bleepable, but it's pretty creepy. The orcs are using Keishan as a urinal. Ew. That's a line in a quest. That's a line in a quest. I didn't make that up. Ah. Uh, say so- that again. The orc young, the young orc warriors, when Keishan was captured, they used him as a urinal. It's in there. Ugh. My wife, my wife read it and was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "You're kidding me."
2: Yeah, I never paid much. I, I have an aversion to pop culture quests, and knowing that it's Rambo, I was like, "Oh, I'll just get it over with."
0: Yeah, it's it's actually fairly dark and creepy. I was like, "Oh man, I can't wait to get this over with." But yes. you know, again, it's it's more fun because I'm playing with my mom, with my wife, so it's just not. Not not as bad, but yeah. yeah. So I I get what you're saying and there is some truth to it in terms of like, you know, playing a character to suit his own. But I, I don't know. I, I just I like my main. I, I can't really say that I don't. So
2: Yeah, the one thing I can't do is there's I have I have a lot of characters, but there's like two to three that are always gonna be the ones I have to come back to, and they're always the ones that hit level 100. It's like my paladin. My priest, my rogue, they're all... No, my paladin, my warrior, my rogue. They're always going to hit max level. All the time. And I can't imagine a universe in which I abandon those characters because I've been playing them so long. I'm so attached. But beyond that, what I play past those three is whatever I feel like on any given day.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I actually, um, now that I've unlocked flying, I'm going to take my priest to Draenor and level her through flying through zones and finding rares and picking them up because people have told me that this is a really easy way to level <laughs> so I want to see exactly how that works I'm like ah, oh, I got an alt. I could do that with let's see how this you know how it functions but yeah my priest my rogue and my shaman I want to get my shaman to 100 too because I like her
2: okay uh, what's the next email
0: <laughs> sorry I thought you guys would talk more <laughs> tried oh. to wet my throat so I didn't um I didn't croak like a frog. The next one is from uh Nilaios. Uh yeah, Nil I believe, Nilaios. Uh this one's really mostly about man yeah, of the people here. So Really? Great. Greetings, watchers. I loved watching Anne live-tweet her experience playing the Mass Effect trilogy for the Uh-oh. first time. It's my first <laughs> game. I've also enjoyed all the tweets between Anne, Liz, and the rest of the Twitter discussing Dragon Age and, of course, Mass Effect. I was wondering as if part of the new Blizzard Watch Tavern you would ever do a special Tavern podcast of non-Blizzard discussion. Not that I don't love all the actual Blizzard discussion you do, otherwise I wouldn't have you know, followed you here from the site you know, that won't be named, but it's great to hear you discuss other games every once in a while. Nileos.
1: Maybe someday. Um,
0: the thing about that is, Let, let's let's keep, keep this one brief. Podcasts, no, just um, podcasts are hard to do. They take up a lot of time. They take up a lot of effort. More People time than
1: questions. you would think.
0: <laughs> yeah, like to do this one-hour podcast, we're on we're on Skype
1: for like two and a half hours, and then I have to like audio edit. <laughs> yeah. on top of that
2: yeah, it takes
1: longer than you'd think.
2: <laughs> we mentioned it before, but also when you break it down to Man hours if we're here for, if all three of us are here for two hours, and only recently it's three of us, we usually had Adam here too, so four of us. Uh, if you say all of us are here for two hours, that is four people, two hours, eight hours of manpower that we could have been doing something else with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we enjoy doing the podcast, but when you break down to eight hours, how much more could we have gotten down that eight hours?
0: Yeah, and for that you know, even if for one podcast or even two, one podcast a week and then another one every couple of weeks, that's one thing. To throw on a third podcast, that's that's a lot. Yeah,
2: um, and, and, and the they, live fact,
1: stream. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, basically, what I'll say about the tavern in general is I'm not ruling anything out. Um, I'm not going to say we're doing something. I say we're not doing something. There's lots of types of content I want to do, both for Blizzard Watch and the Tavern. Blizzard Watch obviously being my priority um you might get podcasts on the tavern but if you do it'll probably be a different format than what this is and hopefully that when that time comes which could be a very long time from now i hope you'll enjoy it that's all we can say about that right now
0: so now we're going to move on because i think we're getting pretty close to the end and these emails are fairly long so i'm going to move on to this one which is from James Iogan or Logan? I'm not sure which. Uh, Logan, yeah. Morgan Rogue. Ioka. Morgan Rogue. Eitrig, US. Greetings, glorious trio of Blizzard voyeurs and guests. So while listening to a previous podcast, I came up with some simple answers to role-playing panda questions. Number one, this is all a twisted hallucination from drinking Mudbug's brew that was tainted with bad water and Shaw energy. Two, your panda is not actually at the Wrathgate. putre's Plague... Uh, Putress's Plague... Uh, Putress's plague uh, batch went bad and instead of killing everyone they see pandas uh, number three Outland Lord Walker Cho screwed up his dream brew and now you are stuck in a flashback of slash graphic novel inspired retelling of old war stories uh, you know heard told in a local pub thanks for all you do and keep up the good work and the laughter
2: um, the I think context just... of this being how do you role play a pandarin doing content that takes place before Mr. Pandaria
0: yes which we talked about last week yeah Okay. I think, basically speaking, sure, whatever floats you. I just, you know, I just assume, honestly, you, you you level up through one to sixty as a pandering, going, yeah, that dragon really messed everything up. Then you go to Outland and go, yeah, that that orc really messed everything up. Then you go to Northrend and you're like, yeah. That dead guy really messed everything up. <laughs> then you come back and you're like, yeah, that dragon really did mess everything up. And then you're back to and You're like, I've never been here before, even though I'm a pandarin, because I lived on a turtle my whole life. <laughs> you're probably pretty good at going with the flow at that point. I lived it's, on a
1: turtle. <laughs> <I> just...
0: <laughs> it's true. I grew up on a turtle. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> Shadow Pan? I never heard of that. I live on a turtle. I guess, like, you know, occasionally you might go to the beach the turtle comes from originally and be like, this is where our turtle left from. Wow, okay. <laughs> you know. My and house just was nuts. here once. <laughs> yeah, back when my turtle was small enough that you could just, one guy could ride on its back. This is where it lived. <laughs> but then it went out into the ocean and now we all live on it. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, when you realize that, you know, you're not even playing, when you're playing a pandarin, you're not playing any of the pandarin you meet like in, in the like ni- the like eighty five to ninety Mr. Pandaria experience, those people are just as foreign to you as they are to everybody else. Because you've been living on a turtle your whole life and that turtle's been out there for hundreds of years.
1: And that as turtle- far as you're concerned, Pandaria is as much like a legend and a myth as, as it is to anybody else on Azeroth, really. I mean, there are yeah. stories about it, and obviously you must have come from somewhere, and the turtle came from somewhere, but not everyone really you know, knows if that's just a legend or, or, or what.
0: It's pretty obvious that the people on the turtle, you know, don't – Shenzhen, Shenzhen, people living there, don't really care. No. Nope. Like, you're one of the few people who cares. They're like, yeah, this is home.
1: And Our, they're, turtle. they're cool with living on the turtle. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh,
0: so – Yeah, once you've you've gotten over the fact that you start the game on a turtle, and you spend 10 levels deciding, like, you know, on the turtle's back, deciding, who do I like better, red or blue? Because that's ultimately all it comes down to in terms of your choices. You know nothing about these two groups. You just work a little
1: tiny bit with both of them. So it's like, well, which one do I like a little better? I don't know.
0: I'm picking a side and I, I'm basically picking a side based on the fact that G is kind of an impulsive hothead.
1: <laughs> so
0: I like blowing up things. So, yeah, I'm going with G or no, when he blew that thing up, he hurt the turtle. I did granted, 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 the turtle was going to get hurt either way because these weird strangers crashed their giant flying skyboat into it. But I'm still going to go with the skyboat people and not the not the blowing up people. I guess. <laughs> Playing a pandarin is nuts is what I'm saying. Pandarin are you,
1: so you, weird. <laughs> yeah.
0: Once you start thinking about it too hard, it's not going to make any sense. Just 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 go. You know, your pandarin is exploring the world, and if he sees stuff that makes absolutely no sense, he's probably okay with that because if he wasn't, he never would have left the turtle in the first
1: place. Well okay. there we go. Do you think we
0: have time for Merry Mill or should we wrap it up?
1: Why don't you do the last one? It's kind of short. All right, we'll go for the last one.
0: Greetings. What do you think of adding two of the characters and their cars, of course, from Rock and Roll Racing to the cast of Heroes of the Storm? Say, Jake Badlands in a red car with yellow flames and Katarina Lyons in a blue car with white flames. They'd have equally enthusiastic working together as against each other, as long as there's mayhem and good rock dunes involved. Perhaps with some synergy abilities, like one of the same team. Uh, since the cars are armed with weapons and CC abilities already, they feel like a pretty natural fit for Heroes of the Storm, and it would be a nice nod to Blizzard's past, I think. Same goes for, uh, for Kyle Valaros slash the Blackthorn. Only odd bit might be having the cars restricted to running pace, but if it works for Sergeant Hammer's siege tank, it should work for the cars too. Perhaps even making a Rock and Roll Racing-themed map or two? Thoughts? My thoughts are I'm much more interested in the Blackthorn thing because I've actually honestly never gotten to play Rock and Roll Racing.
2: Of all of Blizzard games, current and legacy, the one that seems to fit Heroes of the Storm for me the least is Rock and Roll Racing. I want a map. Uh, I I don't know how they would make that work.
1: I want that said, I just. I don't want care mat. if they do
2: it. <laughs> I mean, they can do it if they want. They can add those characters. I won't complain. It just seems like that's the one that doesn't fit in.
0: Well, I mean, you could have said that about Lost Vikings, but they found a way.
2: Not really. I mean, those are still. I mean, they're Vikings, but they still kind of look like fantasy-ish, like not real characters. And the the, the characters in Rock and Roll Racing are not just humans and race cars, but still, they're in race cars.
0: I don't know what to tell you, man, I, I I've never played rock and roll racing. It's the one I have not even seen. I've gotten to play Blackthorn. I've I've done like pretty much everything else. I even got to play The Death and Return of Superman, which of course is not going to be in Heroes of the Storm anytime soon. No. But uh this is the one that I, I honestly just can't have an opinion. I thought I think Anne, you've played it, haven't you?
1: Yeah, a little. I mean, it was a very, very, very long time ago like and i was very young so i don't remember a whole lot about it except that we had a lot of fun playing it with my siblings and i but i mean a map i want to see i want to see a map a rock and roll racing themed map i think that'd be cool um as far as the characters go i mean i guess you could throw the characters in there i mean we got sergeant hammer with the tank thing and and you got morales who does the whole um oh my gosh what do they call that with the ship Medivac. Thank you. <laughs> the word was just like on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, the so dropship, right? You, you've got like a character yeah. like a dropship. You've got like a character, a character vehicle thing going already. You've had those before. Yeah, so, like, hey, that's not what bothers me. a stretch me. to go, person with a race car.
2: But it's, it's that Heroes of the Storm is this blend of fantasy and sci-fi, and then you just have like a, 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 a person in a race car. And it's not like a Transformer race car, it's not like a Although you could a, do a hover that. car. I just,
1: just I wanna see I wanna see maps and levels that are based 'cause we there's not most of the maps they aren't they're kinda like high fantasy theme or whatever. But I wanna see like a variety of maps. So yeah, do a Lost Vikings themed map or, or do a rock and roll racing themed map or do a Blackthorn map. You know, do maps for these other games. Um I think that would be Kind of fun and entertaining. Right,
0: well, at this point, I'm going to say the thing that I'm going to say, which is that that wraps us up for today. And would you like to tell our listeners about how they can join our team and support Blizzard Watch?
1: Yeah, sure. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at. That- patreon.com slash blizzard and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or even the queue and an ads free site experience
0: thank you Ann. thanks for joining us everyone if you have questions you'd like answered on the show don't forget that you can email them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com i'm Matt rossi and we'll see you next week